if you treat people well, and if you're honest and transparent with folks, even when it's not your benefit, you know, maybe you lose a sale over, over something because you're honest with somebody, or maybe you ha- have to get somebody into a situation or, or let somebody know a piece of information that's not, that's not going to be super for whatever it is or however you get paid. Uh, but if you're, if you can be honest and real with folks and be, and build authentic relationships, for me at least, that has been the thread that I've seen get me to where I am today working for the University of Kansas Health. That was Sean Long, and this is Guild Stories. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Guild Stories, the podcast where every person has a story, and it's the stories that connect us all. I'm Justin Rickliffs, founder and CEO of Guild Content, husband of Brooke, and father of five young people. And I'm joined today by my lovely co-host, who happens to be my wife as well. Hey, guys, I'm Brooke, owner of Reclaim the Home, Justin's wife and mother of five. We're so grateful you're here. This podcast is a place where we'll explore the stories of hustlers, dreamers, and doers who are going for it by pursuing meaningful work and living life with purpose. Welcome to Guild Stories. Hey guys, welcome back. We are, um, I feel like I say this every week, but I'm so excited for today's guest because it's like, dude, I'm like geeking out um, and, and feeling pumped about this conversation that we're about to have because number one, this guy is um, a tremendous friend and a, and a longtime friend and continues to be former colleague and coworker and, and, uh, and good business buddy who, who then became a, a great personal friend and still is. Um, but just a guy who approaches the world in a really, uh, caring, loving, authentic way. Um, and has done so at a, at a super high level along his path and journey of his career. So, um, he jokes and self-admitted it, calls himself a, a healthcare professional. So it's our first healthcare professional on the show. Um, we have the University of Kansas Health System, VP of Corporate and Community Outreach, uh, Sean Long on the show. Dr. Long, as uh, as you're affectionately known. How are you, my friend? Thanks for joining us, dude. Uh, I am well. I am well. It's good to hear from you. And uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to, to visit with you this morning. Oh man, thanks. Um, I, 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 we joked before. I'm still chugging a big cup of coffee, and I wish we were doing this in person. But current circumstances have, at least for the time being, prevented that. Um, so I, I wish I could I give uh, give you a big, a big, big bro hug, man. Yeah, yeah. It is life has changed um, as we know it, and so I'm I'm working from home these days, and which has been the first time that's happened. Um, I think we have over 2,000 employees at our place that are that are working from home at least part of the time now, and that just feels like um, kind of the new norm. The the days of going into the office to do emails and phone calls is, is probably in the past for me. So this will forever change uh, a lot of what we do and how we how we consume things. Yeah, man, and we're hot, looking forward to getting into that and and hearing more about your specific role for for. Uh, for our guests, so why don't you real quick give us a quick intro, kind of where you grew up, um, what your story is. I know there's a lot to your story, and and we'd love to just kind of wind it all the way back to the beginning and start there, if you don't mind, man. Sure, sure. Um, <clears throat> so I'm a Kansas City kid. I've uh, been here, you know, my my entire life. They'll, I'm sure they'll throw dirt on me um, here as well. Um, grew up in Grandview. Uh, Missouri, and um, which was just a fabulous, um, you know, looking back on it, a fabulous um, 
childhood and and just have terrific memories of, of my days there. Um, so, uh, you know, met a lot of my lifelong friends um, early in life there. Um, I know you had Andre Davis on your show here recently, and Andre is, I would consider to be um, in, in the inner circle of my closest uh, friends and, um, and has been for a long time. So um, owe a lot to, to that upbringing, which was a, you know, fairly diverse um, socioeconomic um, area um, that I grew up in. And, and, and for me, <clears throat> you know, sports played a big role in, in forming uh, kind of who I am and how I think and, and what I believe. And, and uh, not so much the sports themselves, but the people, the coaches, um, the, the Andres that I, that I played with or against um, had a great deal of shaping you know, kind of who I am today. So I owe a lot to sports um, in that, that time back in Grandview. So I'm, um, I look back on that, that time fondly. And, and, and yet I think about, you know, various pockets of, of, um, of my life and, and certainly the time that we spent together, and you know, is, is one of the, one of my most fond um, memories and, and probably one of the, the greatest areas of growth for me with our, our time together, not, not only for the, the organization that we work for, the Chiefs, but um, with you and Brian Johnston. And, you know, I, I count myself blessed to have uh, come across um, folks like you with, um, with what you do and your skill and your talent and, and how you approach life. And, and that stuff, you know, is, is contagious. So I, I've, I've stolen a lot. I've probably stolen a lot more from people than I've ever, than I've ever given, but um, that's kind of how I, how I got started in life was in, uh, in good old Grandview. Yeah. It's awesome, man. And, and um, for those not in KC or maybe not super familiar with, uh, with, you know, the high school sports scene, um, you have a, a nickname that, that, Many friends mm-hmm. affectionately call you, which is Simone. Mm-hmm. Um, right. to, what is if someone was you know if we were ever allowed to like go have a cocktail in person again, which hopefully that's the case. Uh, <laughs> someday, so, somebody may walk up and like slap your back and be like, "Simone, what's up? What what would that mean? What's that story?" So the, there's a, a family, the Simone family, um, here in Kansas City, who um, tragically lost a son. Um, this probably would have been around um, early 80s, um, who was hit. He was 12, I believe, at the time, was, was hit accidentally um, by a police car while he was crossing the street and killed him. And uh, so the Simone family, uh, as you can imagine, the, the horror of having to you know, bury a child um, um, out of that <clears throat> uh, continued or actually picked up a, an award um, that's given to um, what they would consider or what was voted upon as the top high school um, football player in the Kansas City Metro. It used to be called the Nigro Award, and uh, and then that stopped for a number of years. And then um, in 1983, the fall of 1983, Jeff Kelso was the first Simone Award winner out of, out of Park Hill High School. So um, I ended up, um, my, my name is carved on that as the second um, a Simone Award winner, and um, you know I, and, and this is you know for those that I don't know, you, know, you have to take this with a grain of salt, I guess. But you know I, 
I realized fairly early on um, that um, quarterbacks get far more uh, credit than, than they should and, and sometimes more, more blame than they deserve. Um, and so, you know, for me, I was um, – I happened to have the good fortune of, of playing on a, on a really good team um, – we ended up losing in the state semifinals to Jeff City um, my senior year. But we had a fabulous group of athletes. Um, and so um, when you have a tailback in high school, it rushes for, I think, Stuart rushed for about 1,500 yards. Dang. Our fullback was right about 1,000. And then we were kind of slinging the ball a little bit you know, back in the day, which was, was probably more than most, we were probably throwing it 20 or, or 25 times a game in high school, which was a little unusual back in that time period. And, and so when you can do um, two or three different things in high school, you can have a fair amount of success. So I, I was the beneficiary that, that really should just be kind of a, a Grandview team award. Um, there's been kids that have won that, Jeff Kelso being one of them, but uh, Josh Freeman is, was a Grandview quarterback, and certainly you'd look at, you know, being drafted in the first round of the NFL, and, you know, that kid was legit. I mean, he was – He's a little taller was, than you. He was the talent. <laughs> yeah, a little taller, a little stronger, <laughs> smarter, better looking, uh, better arm, all, all those things. And so, um, you know, you can look at, at people that win those kind of things, say, yeah, that kid's legit, you know, he was – played in the NFL or whatnot. My, mine was, you know, and I say this in all humility, I mean, it really was, um, I was the beneficiary of, of that. My name was on, on the trophy, but, but truly that was a, that was a team. Um, that was a team award. So did that, um, but that's the whole Simone thing. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. And, and, and obviously the, the football, the football success aside, uh, did, did, I'm, I'm just curious, did that, experience shape you in any meaningful way as it relates to the community or giving back or I mean I know you've been it you've still to some degree been involved all these years like not you know yeah. th- not dating you but that wasn't last week man <laughs> right yeah right, um, right. so no, so I, I'm just curious obviously the the you know the football success and fun and, and ride aside uh, I'm just curious, you know, from a substance perspective, did that help kind of form up something in you that, that made you want to give back or think through service or anything like that? Yeah, I, I would say that the the aggregate experience in sports um, had a lot to do with shaping me. I, I don't um, I don't necessarily think. Um, well, let me put it to you this way. If I, if I didn't know anything, again, have the good fortune of playing on some really good teams with some really good players. Um, I, I really didn't know what it was like to lose much. Um, I, I think, you know, all throughout high school, I think we lost five football games in three years. Um, and three of those were, you know, end of the season uh, playoff losses. So <clears throat> we had a great deal of success on the field. Um, but there was a, there was a humility, um, lesson coming my way that I wasn't, um, certainly wouldn't have signed up for, but I would tell you that 
when I went to college, I went to Indiana State out of high school and uh, found out fairly quickly that um, there's a lot of really good football players out there, and, and a lot of them are, are, were a lot bigger and, and faster and stronger than I was. Um, I ended up transferring to William Jewell and finishing up there. And, you know, we had wildly moderate um, <laughs> averageness uh, on, our, on our football team up there. You know, we were, we were in and around the 500 mark. Uh, about every season, and, and when I look back, I think I, I can't even believe we won as much as we did. But those, um, so I ended up I redshirted my first year, and then and then was played all four years uh, up at Jewel, and started all four. And um, that lesson in humility has probably had more to do with shaping my outlook on life um, th- than the success that I had, you know, prior to that. Um, mm on the field. So it is, um, um, I, I do, uh, going through that at, at that point, in my life was, uh, you know, probably one of the more, um, dark periods, um, for, for a variety of reasons, um, in, in my life. And, and certainly the football field was not a, was no longer the sanctuary where just mm-hmm. everything went my way or our team's way. So, I think that had had far more to do with with shaping me. But that that lesson in humility, um, and you know, and the Bible talks a lot about humility. Um, and I don't know unless you've been humbled if you can really understand what humility uh, feels like, because it doesn't feel super. It, it certainly didn't to me at the time. But that that period in my life up at William Jewell, um, and and I guess to some degree at Indiana State, uh, that degree of of humility um has stuck with me and has really been a, a, a big part of my life man um i i don't know where obviously all of our our listeners are on their own <laughs> kind of journey of of uh you know whatever discovery and, and things that that are meaningful to them or impactful to them it, it, it's it, it's super interesting timing that you that you talk about humility because just last night um i'm reading in the same book you just referenced um, mm-hmm. and, and, the the Psalm said humility comes before honor, which, which is mm-hmm. great, right? Like, it's cool to, you know, you put that on like a, some cheesy bumper sticker or like a t-shirt or whatever. Um, but, but you're right. Like the, the reality of humility kind of sucks, man. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's right. just, it's hard. Right. And, 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 yeah. the, I'm not sure if the right word is opposite, but the, 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 um, projected, you know, opposite of that phrase is also in that same book. And it talks about pride coming before the fall. Um, right. And, and, you know, uh, I'm thinking through ways <clears throat> throughout my own life where I've been and this phrase or this verb I've used a lot um, has been dismantle, like the, the dismantling of the ego of, of the, of the prideful way of the way of, of, of Justin and not the way of, um, you know, the better version of me, right? Like those, those things that have to get, um, those trappings, so to speak, that have to kind of, kind of get ripped away. It doesn't come at, at, um, at a easy cost. They come at, at the expense of your freaking face getting beat in and your ego getting crushed. And, and and at that time that feels so, you're exactly right. So painful. Um, but maybe that's like a, the best gift, right? Like maybe that, that lesson is, 
and and there's you know we all have different lessons that we're going through and stuff that that is shaping us but maybe those areas are the ones that um ultimately do lead to the honor not for our own honor of course but for right. um, health and wellness and and the and the good of others and and you know all of those things so anyway i'm rambling on on your point but it resonated so deeply nah, with me because good. it's real man yeah, it is. There's a there's a passage in Luke that is one of my all-time favorites. And there's really two places in the Bible that I can think of that kind of make me feel this way. But for for maybe those that aren't as familiar with the book, there's in, in Luke 5, the, the story is that Jesus has been teaching on the shore for teaching the masses for some time. And, and uh, Peter and, and some of the um, soon-to-be disciples were out fishing and um and they've been fishing all day with no luck and they basically they come back to shore as jesus is kind of wrapping up and and he jumps in one of the boats and say hey and he says hey let's you know put the boats out and let's you know let's cast the nets and i can just hear i mean i can i can be peter in this in this scenario peter's like oh my god you gotta be kidding me i mean i'm dog tired and you know you're asking me to to go do this, but nonetheless, you know, because you're asking, you know, we'll go out and we'll do this. So they throw out the nets, um, and they have this, you know, the, the nets are so full of fish. Um, and in the, in the madness of, of trying to figure out how to get the fish in the boat and the nets are starting to rip and all that, <clears throat> man, I, I get choked up even thinking about, it. but, you know, Peter says he realizes What's, what's just happened? And he just falls at Jesus' feet and says, you know, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Mm. And that that kind of, that, that piece of humility is, and I certainly don't find myself living there all the time, but that sense of, hey, look, I bring nothing to the table here. Um, and, and I won't, you know, reference Jesus or my faith and, and, and everything that we talk about today, but just know that, for, for me, my faith and my wife um, have been, they, that story is woven all throughout. At some points in my life, I'm probably was, was more aware of uh, and more grateful for those two things um, than I am at others. But those two things have had a, a, a great deal to, to, to do with, with uh, who I am today and how I look at the world. And, and, um, and that story in Luke um, is always one of those things that I come back to because it just is, it, I can just, I can just feel Peter's emotion, um, when he's having this discussion and he understands what's going on. So humility. Yeah, man. It's, it's awesome. Man. <laughs> um, and, and, and it's kind of juxtaposed and, and I was, I was, uh, unfortunately really good at this and this instinct is still in me. Um, but the, you know, I always thought, for, for a long time until you've been humbled. Um, my view of humility was kind of this like, Oh, shucks. It was no big deal. Like, ah, I don't want to take right. the credit when in actuality, that was also uh, a projection or a, a, a front or a mask even of my own insecurities going, Oh, shucks, no big deal, but please keep saying it. Say it more. Yeah. Right. <laughs> please, right. please tell me right. I'm awesome. Please tell me I'm okay. Um, right. Please, right. please congratulate me. Uh, but then I'll tell you it was no big deal. And it was, you know, it was everybody else's efforts right. or whatever. And, 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 and I, I mean, I really do think just like in anything in life, we can't, 
we can't academically or, or logically get to the point where we're humble. We have to experience that. Um, and again, man, I'll, I'll struggle with humility and the lack thereof for, for probably a long time. But I, I think your point is right on in that until Peter experienced his own version of that, um, it's, you know, like it, it's one thing to be like, oh, man, I'm, I'm a pretty humble dude. Um, right. It's another thing to actually be humbled and, and the, the outcomings of, of those. So anyway, man, you, you, yeah. you, uh, you mentioned your wife, which I've, I've joked to you is, um, and this isn't true cause I've, I've made this other joke to other folks who have, who have gone to school in this particular place. Um, but I've joked that, that Allison is the only thing out of Lawrence, Kansas that I've, uh, I've liked. <laughs> so, uh, how, how'd you meet sweet Allison who, uh, who, who hails from, from KU? Yeah, no, well, she was, um, I met her in Mr. Kimbrell's, uh, second hour, uh, language arts class in seventh grade, um, at the, at Grandview Middle School, Grandview West. So she was, uh, a, a Knowles with a K and, uh, as, a as long with an L, she sat, um, alphabetically right in front of me in the class. And so at, at 12 years of age, um, of course I had no clue at the time, but I was, I was sitting right next to my my future wife on my first grade of, of junior high school. So, um, we have, uh, you know, somewhat of a, you know, I just feel fortunate and on all kinds of fronts. Um, certainly in the, in the marriage category, um, we kind of had, we started going out, I guess we were freshmen in high school and then, uh, we're kind of off and on through high school and college. And, and, and most of that was my doing because I was an idiot and self-absorbed and, in the and, process um, of being humbled. <laughs> yes, I, I was. I was soon to be humbled, and uh, so life was a lot about me um, at the time. And um, I mean, deep down, you know, as I look back, and if I'm honest with myself, I, I always knew that she was the one. Uh, once we started dating, um, but you know, when you're 14, um, I, I wasn't ready to have that that conversation just yet, or, or go there. So. Um, I caused us uh, a great deal of strife and, and heartache and, and uh, evenings of, of tears and, and, um, and some hurt um, along the way. And I'm fortunate that she has a short memory and she stuck with me. And then um, we ended up getting married. Um, we were 25, so we were, you know, two or three years out of college, I guess. And um, so we just celebrated our 28th um wedding anniversary in, in, uh, in March. Yeah, I know it's crazy. And uh, we have two unbelievable kids. Uh, our son, Sam just graduated from uh, Pittsburgh state and, uh, did ROTC while he was going through school down there. So he is, um, is, uh, you know, starting to um, try to figure out uh, what life looks like and, and what his next steps are. And then, um, our youngest Chloe, is uh, going into her senior year at Hope College, which is up in Holland, Michigan. And, um, so blessed with two beautiful, healthy kids and, and, a, and a wonderful wife that loves me despite um, uh, my inefficiencies. And, and uh, so, um, yeah, that's, that's the story of Al. She ended up going to, to KU um, when I went to Indiana State, and, and that was probably the best thing for us, although it was hard at the time to, to be away from each other. But that was, that was probably a good thing when you look look back on it but uh 
She was in a sorority up there. She was a Crimson Girl the year they won the national championship in 88 with Danny and the Miracles. And um, so she's got a lot of good stories, and, and uh, she's, a, she's a fabulous lady. Yeah, she she's she absolutely is your better half, man. <laughs> oh, better two thirds. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, no, that's awesome. Congrats, dude. Twenty eight years. That's a that's uh yeah. that's in and Thank of you. itself something worth celebrating. Um, so yep. not not uh, not to make too hard of a jump here, but after your jewel days up on the hill, uh, stumbling home from the corner bar, um. What was your kind of career path? Like, what was your entry into the work world, and, and how did you get your start? So I um, interned with the um, the original Kansas City Comets of the MISL, Major Indoor Soccer League. Dun, 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 uh, my last. Yep, right. Yeah, that's uh-huh. right. Last, Comets, well, I guess man. my last, loved them. Uh, Lie Wikis were, were ahead of their time with uh, the product they put on the field. So, I, I want to say that was my, my last two years of college. I had, I had interned with the Comets and, um, and, you know, we just had the good fortune of, of um, meeting a few of the folks there in the front office and, and working primarily on game days. And, um, but, um, and that's, you know, that's where I, I started. I, I interviewed right after I graduated and, and I already knew the folks and, and started in the, in the marketing or the sponsorship uh, department at the time. And, and um, my first boss at college is a guy named Kirk Schnurbush, who's, who has been a, a mentor. Uh, he's always well, been a boss and a mentor. And, and, uh, and we do a fair amount of, of business together and have had the pleasure of working um, our, our different organizations have crossed paths. He's with Heartland Coca-Cola now. So they were a, a big partner of ours um, with the chiefs and, um, and then they are a partner of ours um, uh, over at the uh, University of Kansas Health System now too. So Kirk's been fabulous, and and uh, but that's where the that's where I got started. Uh, the first paycheck came from there, and then you know it was uh, less than a year after my start that the league folded, and so um, that kind of yeah that kind of threw things into the air a little bit as to uh, I was engaged. Uh, I want to say that was around November when the league folded and um, we were set to be married that following March. So three or four months down the road and, and uh, I'm unemployed and, and uh, trying to figure out uh, life a little bit. And, and uh, so um, I uh, just kind of by coincidence, um, I got a, a phone call about uh, a sales job at KCFX, radio, which at the time was this tiny little stick out of Harrisonville, Missouri. Um, but they had just picked up, picked up the rights or the radio rights to the Kansas city chiefs. And so I was like, Oh my God, I don't want to be in radio. And I don't, I don't even know what that is, but it doesn't sound like something I want to do. And I kind of wanted to stay in sports. And that was, you know, it had been basically all I'd ever known growing up as, as well as my time with the Comets. And, and, uh, but I thought, well, they've got the chiefs and so maybe that's, an angle and you know it turned out to be just a fabulous um opportunity and i was i was i probably spent the next nine or ten years um of my life there and was able to grow grow into a role of of uh not only kind of understanding a little bit about the radio industry but sports radio is is kind of a different beast and then um, we 
we had a, a department, a non-traditional revenue type department that focused a bit more on, on generating kind of non-advertising dollars from the vendor and retailer communities. And, and so I, I got a, a little bit of a lesson there and introduced um, um, to some different folks and some different industry uh, through my time at, at KCFX. Um, you know, from there I went to the, I went to uh, uh, KCTV five and kind of took that same um, approach on sports selling that I knew uh, from my days at, at KCFX or what I had learned there and applied it to television. We, we built out some shoulder cheese programming we started selling multi-year deals and, and just tried to take some of the, some of the sales mechanisms that the team and the radio group was was taking and, and how they were approaching the market and and, uh, and bringing that to television. So that worked out great. Um, left there, we started a company um, and uh, it was a kind of a residential real estate marketing firm. We showed upper half, uh, upper bracket homes being built on TV stations and markets around the country. And that went game busters until the market crashed in 08 or whenever that was. And, and so I ended up going back to channel five for about a year. And then the chiefs called and said, Hey, we're thinking about bringing television back in, in house or preseason TV rights back in house. And, and uh, so um, jumped over to the chiefs and met Justin Rickless and Brian Johnston and a whole bunch of other really good folks. And, and uh, just had a, had a ball every time over there, although the team wasn't, um, uh, winning Super Bowls. Um, so, you know, from there, um, the University of Kansas Health System was a was a prospect that that turned into a partner. Um, uh, struck up a, a kind of a personal relationship with the CEO Bob Page, and and uh, just kind of became friends. And and we were out having a beer one night after work, and he's telling me about this crazy idea he had, and 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 next thing you know, I'm over it. I'm working at the University of Kansas Health System, which is which is really honestly, and I'm not saying it just because, you know, my paycheck has a hospital logo on it now, but it has really been the best thing that I've ever done. I've mm. I've never worked at a nonprofit. Um, people are living and dying every day at our place, mm. and the the healthcare workers. I know they're getting uh, you know a lot of props now with with the covid situation and, and rightfully so but this is what they do every day all day all the time I and mean, this is really nothing new um it doesn't take long to realize that when you're you're sitting with a family that's about to lose their father or their son uh, or their wife um life gets real real quick um and the car you're driving and, and that zip code you live in and all those things kind of go out the window and all of a sudden you're dealing with, with somebody that's about, um, about to pass. And it's a very, um, it's a very humbling, special experience to be in and around that. And it's an, it's an honor for those people to take care of folks in those, some of them in their, in their final days um, of life. And so it, it is a unbelievable place with, you know, and I, I tell people this all the time, like, you know, I've always felt like I've been on the lower end of the IQ spectrum at every place I've ever worked. Um, and the gap at, at the hospital is so dramatic mm. 
now between, you know, we got people curing cancer. That's what they wake up and they do every day is figure out how to cure cancer. You know, and I'm running around having coffee with people. So um, <laughs> it's a fabulous place. But my, you know, again, kind of as, as I've had a chance to sometimes tell my story about, you know, from a career path, um, the most unintentional, um, fortunate, um, one thing leading to another, I would have never, if you would ask me eight years ago, Hey, would you ever be working for a hospital? I'd be like, no way, not a chance. Mm. But the one thread that I can see that, that flows through all of that. And, and, and you know, I, I know you well enough to know that you're in the same camp is <clears throat> if you treat people well, and if you're honest and transparent with folks, even when it's not to your benefit, you know, maybe you lose a sale over, over something because you're honest with somebody, or maybe you um, have to ha- have to get somebody into a situation or, or let somebody know a piece of information that's not, that's not going to be super for whatever it is or however you get paid. Uh, but if you're, if you can be honest and real with folks and be, and build um, authentic relationships, um, for me, at least, that has been that has been the thread that I've seen uh, get me to where I am today, working for the University of Kansas Health System. I, I had I had met people at one place, which led to the next, which led to the next, and I don't I don't know that I'll retire from here. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. I certainly think that. Um, I hadn't been at the at the hospital very long when I, I came home one night and told my wife, like, mm, you know, this might be my last stop. Um, our place is is unique, and, and again, healthcare in in general, I think, has a has a real special uh, feel to it uh, in terms of taking care and loving on people. And um, so the industry is is super intriguing to me. Um, the place where I work is. I think dynamite and probably on the leading edge in this region in a lot of different areas. And then maybe the, the, the kicker for me is that, um, uh, completely undeserving. I have found favor with, with my boss, who's the, the COO, Tammy Peterman and my, and her boss, Bob Page, the CEO. And so, you know, I've got people that believe in, 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 me and what I do and how I approach things. And I work at a great place and that's doing great things. And so I, you know, I'm at an age now where I'm you know, starting to look over the horizon and, and, and maybe retirement's not that far away. Mm. And, um, certainly think that, that, um, if I, if I could draw it up according to my uh, wants and desires that, uh, this would be my last stop. Mm-hmm. Man. So, it's so cool, and, and obviously I've a I've had a, a little bit of a front row seat to <clears throat> some of this. Um, in, in in terms of a not not like whatever, I, I I've been able to witness the the last couple spots along that journey. Um, you mm-hmm. and I did meet kind of formally at the at the Chiefs, and and you um, you said a few things that that I feel like are worth calling out that and drawing out more because. I do think um, there's, and, and a little bit of this is similar to the conversation with Andre, but I think there's this misconception, um, especially in folks that have some accountability for building relationships or producing revenue, right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, that there's always this, maybe always is too strong, but there's this tension between 
the short-term needs of the boss, whoever that may be, the employer, the owner, the head guy or girl, the, the board of directors, the stock market, shareholders, whatever. And, and there's this pressure to produce, right? Like there's this kind of relentless um, pressure to perform. And, 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 and while, you know, there, there are clearly exceptions and folks that can produce at that level for a high point of time in a um, long period of time over, over time in that environment. Right. But, but the way that you've approached and, and, and you're, you've been humbled, so you're not taking the credit for this, <laughs> but like, it's not accidental that these you know, major entities, it wasn't, and no offense to Bob's muffler shop, but it wasn't Bob's muffler shop calling you to say, Hey, come help us run our marketing efforts. It was the CBS right. affiliate in one of the top 40 markets in the country. It was, uh, an NFL team, uh, one of 32. It was, um, like you said, arguably the leading healthcare providing, uh, uh, system, not only in, in the, the Metro, but in the region and, and arguably becoming one of the national players. Like these people, this wasn't you applying on, on LinkedIn to, to a random job opening. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Right. But, right. but the, the, the power of, um, partnership, the way that you, have empathetically kind of put yourself in other people's seat like that's not that's not accidental and and it's also a, it's a skill that um in my opinion is is taught far too uh infrequently we learn about like cold call scripts and all this bullshit <laughs> it's like man what yeah. if, what if right. we what if we'd learn how to sit with a business owner and hear how he or she um, makes money or hear how it was for them when they had to lay off their staff during COVID or how it go, how they feel at one in the morning when the anxiety hits them, right? Like that's the way that people like you have built careers and legacies around in terms of um, this, this partnership approach that, that of course has to be good for everybody, um, but genuinely is baked into this like thread of relationship. And again, just because it's timely, uh, we, we've got a new, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, sales guy coming on board our team. It's the first time that, that anybody but my dumb ass has, has taken the lead, <laughs> taken the lead in terms of some relationships. And, and um, we sat, it was his, you know, technically he doesn't, didn't even start till the, doesn't start till the following Monday. But he's eager and young and happy and excited to get going. And so he sat through a prospect meeting with me uh, yesterday, and this this will be a couple of weeks when when this is heard by anybody but you and me. But long story short, um, he sat through this meeting with me, and it was a two and a half hour conversation about the guy's business. We didn't really talk about Guild content hardly at all until the final ten minutes. Right. We learned about right. his his wife and his journey and his hunting expeditions and the way he fishes and the way. He thinks about leadership and the the struggle he had cleaning up some mess from the previous owner who owned this company and 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 uh, I mean again not, it's a it's an anecdotal story to your point not mine but at the end of this meeting the guy goes cool man like where do we sign up <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> and, and like I was like hey there's you know we're coming out to you next week there's nothing there's nothing to sign like this, we're we're in this thing for the long term man like we're we're trying to figure out ways to help you make more money and to help alleviate your stress and help you tell your story. And so um, I, I, I highlight all that because I wanted to draw out this like 
this the, the theme that you so well articulated about your own path, I think especially if young folks coming into the workplace could could and it's so hard, but to have a longer view, to have a long term perspective of, right. hey, it, what if what if this guy named Kirk Schnurbush who hires me when I'm 23 coming out of William Jewell and he's my first boss at the comments and the league folds and this and that happens and he goes to his different ways, what if 25 years later we're sitting at a dinner table with him and he's running a big you know operation at Heartland Coca Cola and I'm sitting at a at a VP at a health system like what would that look like right like I I just think we we have no um, teachers to help us think through longer term stuff it's just it's man it's it to me it felt like worth highlighting because you've done a um, of course you've you've had some good fortune along the way but you've done a magnificent job of that well look uh, appreciate the kind words Um, certainly uh, if I were to um, go back and visit with my uh, 23-year-old right out of college self, um, you know, my words would probably sound different and, and my experience would um, would not be the same. But, um, you know, I, I do think that <clears throat> for folks that are either coming out today and for, for any of us, you know, I think about, you know, even even the time with my bride about, you know, when, when we're sitting down having coffee in the morning or, or we're talking at the end of the day or whatever it is, you know, and I've heard, I heard somebody say this the other day and I, I, I can't recall who it was. So I, um, I can't give proper credit, but basically the, the premise was, you know, am I listening to respond or am I listening to understand, you know? And so I find myself, you know, and, and probably earlier on in life, I was listening to reply. Like I had a reply ready to roll. As soon as this person sitting across the desk from me shuts their pie hole, I'll be able to throw out some, some brilliance that will just baffle them. Um, versus sitting down as you just described, you did with your, um, with your uh, soon to be new hire and talking to, to, to a prospect and, and listening to understand, trying to understand their business, what makes them tick. I mean, people, you know, you and I probably, uh, included pe- people like to talk about themselves. You know, they, they like to talk about their marriage or their hobbies or the things they find of interest or politics or whatever it is they want to talk about. People like to talk about themselves. So, um, being on this side of the fence on, on, and typically in a, in a revenue producing or, or a, a partnership producing kind of a role, the ability to listen, um, has probably been, and, and l- learning that it, that didn't happen. Um, That's that didn't happen and, and certainly wasn't a, a part of my, um, maybe skill sets when I, when I first got out of college, but learning that over time, um, is probably one of the bigger things, right? Like, um, in, in whatever situation, whether you're talking to your boss, your wife, or, or a prospect, or whatever it may be, so um, I, th- I think that's key—the the, the ability to listen and truly listen, not just listening to reply. Um, and then the other part of that, I think, you know, when people talk about the end game, I mean that it means different things to to different folks. Like, how can I have a long-term perspective, and what does that really mean? Am I is long-term for me when I'm in my early 20s, like is is 27? like a long-term perspective, <laughs> uh, like right. a couple of years or a couple of months, or, you know, is it um, a long-term perspective? Um, you know, for me now, is that, is that when I retire or, you know, ultimately, and again, not to, to bring everything back to faith, but, you know, I, I feel like I would, if I, I this is probably going to be a really awful uh, analogy, but, 
you know, if, if you walk into a, a, a baseball game or a football game or whatever it is that you're doing and you knew you were going to win, uh, the ability to relax and just be yourself um, becomes a little easier, right? So, you know, with with a faith that believes that um, that I know the outcome, I, I know how this game ends, and whether I work for the University of Kansas Health System today and, and maybe somebody else tomorrow or whatever it may be or, or whatever happens in my life, um, I feel like I know the outcome of the game and my side wins. And so it allows me just to, to take life in stride a little bit, not to get too high or too low with whatever's going on. Obviously, this COVID thing has, has turned the world upside down. But I know God is in control. I, I know this is a, is a weird time, and we're gonna, there's going to be things that come out of this that are going to be um, awful, and there's going to be some things that are come out of it that are, that are going to be fabulous. I mean, we've seen an unbelievable outpouring financially, uh, people donating food, um, people, um, organizations uh, putting out, you know, social and digital posts, thanking healthcare workers or whatever the, the case may be. I mean, it's been a really, it's a, it's a rallying uh, point for the citizens of this planet to say, hey, we're, we're ultimately, we're all, we all belong to the same family. Um, we all are, we all have a, a ton of differences, but at the end of the day, we're all in this battle uh, fighting COVID together and, and it, it's uniting. And so there's a lot of real positive things. But again, for me, I think the long-term nature for me means the long-term nature. It means how do I, how do I live this life in a way that's honoring and pleasing? And, um, and, um, and that, that is my end game. So that, that's how I try to live my life. Man, Don't do it very well very often, but, but that is, um, when I sit down and think about it and talk, uh, with people like you, it, um, that's, that's, that's what is in my heart and that's what comes out. That's huge, man. And, and, um, I'm, I'm grateful you share that. It, it's, it's so powerful and it's so real and, and it's you, it's not BS. I mean, it's totally you to communicate in that way and, and to, remind us and to call us back to this like hey the the identity of us isn't our you know title <laughs> right like whatever right. Sure. whatever's on our proverbial business card or um you know linkedin profile or facebook handle like we, we are we are we are more than that we are deeper than that and, and those things while they're great and they're they're fun to talk about those are those are not uh those are not the markers of our, of our identity. Um, yeah. I, I want to shift quickly because I know I, I could do this all day, but you have a job that you wear a suit to, so you're <laughs> super important and need to go back to, to being a healthcare professional. I am curious, though, um, in, in the sense of, and, and some of this is projection, right? But, like, what do you anticipate being a, you know, some of the outcomes? You, you mentioned lots of positive uh, st- things that are taking place in the current environment in terms of um, support, rightfully so support, rightfully so donations, people kind of rallying to pitch in however they can to support your frontline folks, which which are legitimate, like true heroes, right? Um, Right. And to your point, have always been. Um, But what do you anticipate maybe more so in the sense of the business side of um, a healthcare operation or 
uh, a partnership development approach? Like, do you do you anticipate changes? Uh, I don't know what that means, man. It's a it's a rambling question, but I would love to hear what your you know maybe future self looks like here as we as we you know maybe start to climb out of some of the 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 red hot urgency of all this. Yeah. Well, in healthcare, I think the, the, the one thing that's been prevalent um, uh, fairly early on here in this COVID crisis, and if you want to pinpoint it back to you know early to mid-March, whenever that time period actually was. Um, that feels like two years ago, by the way. I know. It really <laughs> does, doesn't it? My gosh. Um, th- th- there's been really three areas, um, faith being one of them, fitness being one of them, and healthcare being the other, like, how are people going to consume these things going forward? So, you know, our church has been online. I know most other churches have been. Um, we're actually communicating and having more people, quote unquote, attend service here than now that we're virtual than we were when we were live. Um, not that there's anything that will replace, you know, the face to face, the interaction, the hugs in the hallway or the or whatever it may be. I mean, the, the, the be, being in front of somebody is, is probably always going to be the very best scenario. Um, but you know, fitness now has become, you know, I got a space in my house. I got a couple of dumbbells or whatever. I can dial up any kind of a, of a, uh, of a workout that I want to have and I can, I can do it here. So maybe going to the gym looks and feels different. in nature. And, and so for us, um, we stood up our telehealth platform. Um, I believe I'm saying this right. I believe it was March the 27th. If that's a Saturday, that, that was the date. Um, we'd been talking about it um, as, a, as a system for, for the last several years. Um, mm. I think there was a general uh, acceptance that, hey, yeah, that sounds like a really neat thing to do. And, and good news for us um, was that the industry as a whole, the healthcare industry, was probably way behind. Um, the rest of the business world in terms of, of being virtual or being able to to uh, to do things online, whether that's something as simple as scheduling an appointment with a doc or booking a, um, you know, think how long you've been able to book a, a flight um, online. Um, you know, we weren't able to do any of that. And so um, on March the 27th, we officially stood up this telehealth platform. And there were some, there were some rules and regulations that the government had in place that, that, stifled some of that. There was um, uh, licenses across state lines and, and that, you, that you had to have if you were going to practice medicine on somebody in Ohio, you had to have, a, have an Ohio medical license. Well, you know, if somebody called from Ohio, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't in essence treat them via telemedicine. So um, there was that issue. There were some reimbursement issues um, with the payers as well. But, but, but those things, those barriers got removed um, early on in this crisis. And, and so we stood our product up on, uh, like I said, uh, I think it was the 27th of March with, with no promotion, with no marketing effort really behind it. And since then we've done over 43,000 telehealth encounters. Jeez. Um, yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. So we're doing somewhere between 1500 and 2000 a day. Holy smoke. And so, you know, you, you think about those kind of numbers and again, we're, we're one, you know, we're one, in essence, you know, small system in, in the grand scheme of things in healthcare in the United States. So imagine if you extrapolate that across a variety of hospitals, Mayo, Cleveland, uh, a variety of other folks around the country. So 
Um, but some of the some of the impact of that one is it you know it's not only a, a far better customer experience uh, versus you know get in the car driving to our place trying to find a parking spot trying to find where you're going sitting in a waiting room for whatever period of time until you see the dock and you know it's a it's a probably a four or five hour adventure uh, from start to finish um, if you think about you know hey I got poison ivy I need to go see the dock or whatever the case may be so our, our telehealth visits are, are, are somewhere around 20 minutes in, in duration you don't have to leave your house and obviously you can't do everything uh, via telehealth but but there's a fair amount of encounters that can be handled that way, which not only impact um, the, the volume, we can, do, we can do more encounters, see more people that way. Um, but you think about parking and what kind of pressure does that relieve? If you're pulling, in essence, 2,000 encounters out of our main campus there at 39th and, Jeez, yeah. and State Line, if you pulled 2,000 cars out of our parking garages on a daily basis, what does that do? Um, you know, so there's all kinds of impact, not just the fact that it's better for the consumer, it's going to provide a lower um, cost of health care, and, and we can actually see more people. It also opens up some things, and we're unique in, in this part of the country in that, you know, we, while we sit in a, in a fairly urban environment, um, providing health care in rural Kansas or rural Missouri is not an easy thing to do. Right. In a lot of cases, those those smaller markets really suffer, and, and this um, – COVID situation is going to accelerate a lot of things and it's going to happen and you're seeing it with retail now. So, you know, those people that were struggling in retail prior to COVID, I mean, this is the, this is the death nail for them. And there's a lot of hospitals out there that have been struggling over the years. And this is probably going to close a number of facilities and primarily those are in small communities. And so when a small community loses their healthcare uh, provider, um, I got nowhere to go. If I got to get in the car and drive five hours to get to Kansas City, it's a you, know, you got to be pretty sick to do that. Mm-hmm. And and so um, telehealth provides a way that we can get into those communities, provide a a, a, a far a, um, a more specialized uh, or a uh, you know a depth of specialty from a physician standpoint than they would have had access to in their own home community hospital. And uh, so I I think this is going to be a huge story, a huge win for everybody. Lower costs, more people get more access to to better docs. Um, And at the end of the day, it's a a better customer experience. So I'd say that from from our edge point, how people are going to consume healthcare going forward, telehealth is going to play a a dominant role in how that changes. That's huge, man. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine like most industries, there's probably, you know, the, the old 80-20 rule that I go back to about every day. So I'm, I'm sure yeah. it, tw- the 20% of highly complex cases you could never do over Skype or Zoom or whatever else. But right. like if your your kid has a sore throat, like nobody wants your kid in the ER anyway. Like get like have that kid stay in the house and figure out what right. the doc needs in 20 minutes. It's better for everybody. Um, right. Man, and so and think about a, a, a parent at home with multiple kids and one of them sick. That's right. And now you got to drag all three or four or five in your case down to a, you know, down to, to some waiting room where a bunch of other sick kids are waiting to see the doc as well. So th- there's a, a variety of things that are going to come out of this that are, that are very positive. And this, this COVID thing, again, if you, 
I, I heard, I don't know if you've been watching any of the, the Michael Jordan uh, last dance stuff, which I just find fascinating, but you know, he talked about when his, when his father was murdered um, and, and how he tries to find the positive in every situation where you think, Oh my God, how, how can you find the positive in that? Um, but this COVID thing for us, um, one of the real big positives is, is going to be the acceleration and, and the um, acceptance from all parties, uh, us included, uh, on the telehealth platform. And um, it, it's going to, we, we, I, you know, we, we don't even know how, it's, how it ultimately is going sure. to impact everything that we do, but it, it, it is going to be a, a big part of, of everything we do going forward. That's huge, man. That's huge. And, yeah. and, then, and then lastly, because we got to wrap, what, because um, you got to go get on with your day and your life <laughs> and your job. Um, how do you anticipate, well, how do you, again, it's all somewhat hypothetical, but uh, I'm curious as you're leading lots of strategic decisions from a community investment and a marketing perspective and partnership perspective, how do you anticipate this current landscape impacting or altering um, the approach, you know, maybe with, you know, back to your Comets days and now your, your current VP days of, of directing sports relationships, of directing partnership engagements. Like, how do you anticipate, or is it too early to tell how, how those decisions start to shake out or, or direction even, not even decisions necessarily? Yeah, <clears throat> Justin, I don't, I'm not sure I know. Um, I, I don't think in, in, you know, as I said earlier, I'm not the, not the sharpest knife in the drawer. So I try to keep things fairly simple, but you know, when I typically go talk to somebody, whether it's the roastery or Hallmark or, or, or Heartland Coca-Cola or any of the folks that we've, we've been able to form some business relationships and partnerships with um, at the health system, there's really just kind of two basic questions that I use that kind of drive the direction. I mean, I'm, I'm not coming to the, I'm not coming to the party with, some kind of a, a formula or what I want to see happen or, or whatnot. But um, when we talk about, first of all, is how do we authentically do business together? What does that look like? And then secondly is how do we take care of your people? And, and how Garmin answers that question is different than Hallmark and it's different than the roastery or whatnot, but they all have unique needs. Um, they all have different sizes uh, and shapes. And, um, so the whole my whole approach to partnership really hasn't changed much in the sense that I think you go listen to people and and hear what they have to say and and try to understand their their concerns and their fears and then see if you have something that can help them and um, in a lot of cases you know you can and but in some cases you can't and that's okay um, so I, I think I'm gonna continue to go down that path until I see something that that changes my mind, but, um, you know, with our, with our sports deals, the, the, the relationship that I've, I think is, is some, sometimes challenging. And one of the things that I've, I've, I've wrestled with internally is, you know, how do you, how do you take the things that are really important to us? Um, colon cancer, how do we cure that? How do we treat it? Uh, skin cancer, uh, cardiac disease, you know, we, we, we're an academic medical center and we're treating the sickest of the sick, right? So how do you take that and, and plug it into a sports arena mm. or, or a venue or an entertainment venue of some kind and, and, and make it meaningful and, and add value to the fans going to a game at Arrowhead 
or a game at Kaufman. I mean, my, my guess is is that most people going to a ball game at Kaufman don't even if they've got colon cancer, don't want to sit there and think about it. Um, they're going there for a relief to get away from it, to enjoy the ballpark and it's such a beautiful place and, and all those things. So how do, you know, again, kind of one of my struggles has been how do we take what we do and authentically make it part of the experience and add value to the, to the folks going to, to ball games. And so, um, you know, I think most people used to think about healthcare when they needed it. You know, my mom's sick, my kid's sick. I'm not feeling so hot or whatever. So I better research whatever this is, or I need to go see the doc. And so that's when I think about it. COVID has, has put healthcare literally, you know, on the Mm -hmm. forefront of everybody's mind every day. And so it's that in essence, opportunity for us is, you know, maybe now when you go out to a game at Kaufman, if if if, if and when they open up, and if and when fans right. come back into the stands, right. you know, you could see a a gate giveaway that's not a ball cap with a logo on it, a Pepsi logo or whatnot, but it's it's a it's a mask with mm. you know our logo and the Royals mark on it or whatnot. You know, it becomes part of the game. It, it adds value to the fans. It becomes part of of what society looks and feels like now. So those are the things that we're looking at specifically with sports. Like, okay, how does this, how do we take this, this new mindset um, that is, is, you know, dominated right now in terms of media and everything else with, with healthcare. And how do we turn that into a value add for our partners on the sports side? So that, that's what, those are some of the things we're wrestling with now. Man, that's huge. It's a, it's a great way to end. And, and it, it makes me want you to come back on another time because I, I think we could talk a long time about, you know, your three kind of intersections of, of faith and, and fitness and healthcare in the, in the economic kind of cultural sense, not necessarily just personal. Um, but it, it yeah. does, it does seem like you, you, you all, not just your particular um, institution, but healthcare, you know, in general has a really powerful kind of fulcrum point to help, help maybe usher in some more, proactive healthcare strategies, some fitness, like how how does, how does, you know, how does health like a a legitimate, um, I'm going to get over my skis here and get in trouble probably, but like, how do you, how do you you promote health and well-being and, and uh, you know, all this, all that that means in terms of spirituality or mindfulness or healthy eating or all the things that kind of impact this stuff downstream. So anyway, man, um, before I say something stupid, which is, which is likely, let me, um, (laughs) we, we wrap with the same, the same five questions, dude. So just first thing that comes to your mind, no right or wrong answer, no pressure. Um, just instinct. What's the last book that you read or listened to? Um, who is this man by John Ortberg? Fabulous book. Boom. Okay. Um, yeah. What would you do right now if you weren't afraid? Coach high school football. Like that. I like that a lot. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, would you wear like old school coaching shorts? Like the oh, bike? yeah. Hike him way up. Yeah. That's my armpit. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, what's your favorite t-shirt? Favorite t-shirt? Um, well, it might be the one I'm wearing right now, which is a, um, 
Pro Football Hall of Fame T-shirt from Canton, Ohio, and and not that the facility is all that uh, meaningful to me, but my wife surprised me a few years ago with with a trip to Canton. We've joked about it for eons when we've talked about where we should vacation, and I usually say, <clears throat> "Why don't we go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame?" And uh, so she surprised me with a trip a few years ago, and and I've got that T-shirt on now, so I'm gonna say this is my favorite. You're not wearing a suit. I thought you were always in a suit. Let's go. Well, <laughs> another positive from the COVID uh, crisis is that dress codes have changed a bit. So. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> At least for me. Until the Zoom call comes on and then you still wear your shorts and yeah. put the shirt tight. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, That's right. Not Sean Long Stadium at Granby High School or the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What is what is your favorite place on earth? Oh, my favorite place on earth. Well, I would, you know, right now I'd, I'd probably tell you the place where I live. Hmm. Um, I know you've been here, and, and but we, we moved a couple of years ago out to rural Belton. And, um, and we've got uh, about six acres out here and a couple of ponds. And uh, I have um, forgotten what how, how majestic the sunrise is. Um, and the sunset, and I get to see them both every day, and uh, it is a, it a tract of land that I, I feel completely, it was, you know, God-driven to for us to even find this place. Um, I, you know, as I said earlier, I've, I've lived here my whole life. I had no idea where this place even was. So th- this right now is, is my um, my home, and, and, and the land that I live on is probably one of my favorite places on the planet. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. There was, uh, we'll, we'll spare the details for the public, but there were, there were some, there was some, uh, that was a late night, a fun night. It was. It <laughs> there, was. There was some, uh, some tequila involved towards the end, which, uh, which was interesting. Which is always a good sign. <laughs> That's right. Um, oh, brother, it's been a joy. Th- this one kind of ushers yeah. us into the, to the meaningful stuff, but when it's all said and done, what do you want to be remembered for, bro? Well, I, you know, we, um, I've been fortunate that um, one of the real blessings of my life has been um, uh, to be a part of a small group. Uh, there's five couples. We've been getting together about every other week for about, well, over 20 years now. And, um, you know, these guys and, and, and the gals that are, are, are in this small group have, you know, our kids have grown up together. Some of them were, were born you know, after we started the small group. So watching everybody's kids grow up, um, being a part and, and not, you know, really being a part, investing the time um, in their lives um, for all of us, I, th- I think has been super meaningful. But um, last weekend, the guys, we went down, one of the, one of the fellows has a, a place down at Beaver Lake and, and we went down and worked on his lot and chainsawed and burned and did all kinds of manly things, which was a lot of fun. But we talked a little bit about that in the car ride on the way down about, you know, on my, um, at my funeral, you know, I want those guys mm. speaking at my, at my funeral. I mean, we have, we have lived life together and, you know, I would put, you know, you and, and Brian in that, in that group. And I would put Andre and a few of the guys that I went to college in that group. I mean, there's a small group of people that, that I think, um, have, you know, played such a, a pivotal, a pivotal role in, in my life. And, and so I would want um, a group of folks to get up and tell those corny, stupid things that I have done and, 
you know, I, I probably err on the side of being silly um, too often. But um, ultimately, again, you know, when you talk about the end game, my love for Jesus, um, have I followed him? Have I been true to my wife? Have I been true to my friends? Have I been an authentic, real person uh, full of warts and, and ugliness um, that is completely undeserving of, of, of a lot of things? Um, but, but have I lived my life in such a way that, mm. that, uh, when I walk through the pearly gates, I'm met with a well done, good and faithful servant. That, that to me is, is, is my end game. And hopefully there's no social distancing there by that point. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully there's nah, big, there won't be. I'm big, pretty sure. Big hugs and, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. lots of joy, man. Dude, I, I yeah, love you. Exactly. I love you, man. It's a, it, this yep. has been a long time coming. Too. I'm grateful we got your uh your busy healthcare schedule aligned so we could get a piece of your <laughs> a piece of your brain on on with us man i'm really grateful for you well i'm grateful for the time it's it's uh, i'm grateful for what you do justin and and you know i've shared this story with you before but you know when we, when i first came to the chiefs you and brian were already there but i could tell the first time that i read an email that you had written i was like oh, god this guy's a great writer um, and so you have, you've honed that and you've expanded that and, and, uh, your depth of questions and, and the way you live your life is, is, uh, inspiring to me. And I'm grateful we've had a, a chance to, to jump on the horn here and visit a little bit. So thank you. Amen, dude. Cheers, my friend. And yeah. I can't wait okay. to see you soon. Can't wait. All right, buddy. Thanks again. Take care.